I just wish that music was a ringtone or an alarm clock every day. Uh, or on your phone where you're going, oh man, this is going to be a day. God's going to do some extraordinary things in my life and through me today. I mean, maybe you've never thought about that before, but that is God's desire for each and every one of us. In fact, we're going to be do- looking at some stories for the next five weeks of the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit moved in people's lives, in the lives of ordinary people, so they could do extraordinary things in the name of Jesus. And God still wants to do that. We call this Marvels of Acts because this whole series, because uh, our culture is fascinated with superheroes now, and Disney Plus is making bank on this stuff, all right? And uh, they're just putting out movies one after the other about people who have all sorts of super abilities or super strong or super fast. And maybe it happened because they were bitten by a radioactive spider or they have a magic hammer or uh, who knows what, but they can now do all these amazing things. And it's fun to think about, well, what if you were that strong or what if you were that fast or what if you were bulletproof and what could you do? Well, those are fun stories and it's kind of an escape for an hour or two. But the stories we're going to look at aren't fantasy. They're not comic books. These things really happened. And the Holy Spirit enabled people who were never able to do anything in their own strength to do extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter, today we're going to look at him, he became courageous. He became bold. And so did all of the Christians in the early church. And what if you and I could pray for boldness. What if the Holy Spirit still works in people's lives that way? And he does. What if you and I could become bold Christians? I want to talk to you about that today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will make us bold Christians. Lord, you remind us what you did in the life of Peter, what you did in the life of early Christians, and you remind us that your Holy Spirit is still working today. So, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way, and you'll open our minds to things that you could do in our lives today that we may never have considered before. I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, point one on your outline is this, that Peter was an ordinary man who became a bold witness for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that uh, we're going to be looking at a story from Acts 4, but you need a little background. In Acts chapter 3, tells us that Peter and John were going to the temple one day to worship. This would have been a couple of months after Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the dead. We talked about that last week. Well, we're going fast forward in time a couple of months. And the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples, and they have been able to proclaim the gospel boldly. And as they walk into the temple for a prayer meeting, uh, there's a beggar sitting right next to the gate, and he tells Peter, hey, I need some money. And Peter says, well, I don't have any money but I'll give you what I do have. And he reached out and grabbed the man by the right hand and pulled him to his feet in the name of Jesus, the Jesus, the Nazarene. I command you to walk. And the man, though he'd never walked in his entire life, his legs became strengthened and he walked on into the temple with Peter and John. Well, soon a whole crowd gathered because this was amazing. I mean, everybody recognized this guy had been begging at the gate for decades, decades. And he's walking, he's jumping, and he's talking about, hey, I can walk. And so a huge crowd gathered, and Peter told everyone there about Jesus and told them, look, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Repent of your sins, and an incredible time of refreshment is going to come upon you. God will change you. And when the people who were 
against Jesus, the priests and the Sadducees and all the people we've talked about in the last series leading up to Easter, the same people who sentenced Jesus to death heard these guys preaching and there was a big crowd of thousands of people. They ran over there and tried to break it up and go, what are you guys doing? Well, we're telling people about Jesus. You can't do that. You're telling people that there's resurrection from the dead in the name of Jesus. Yes, we are. And they ordered them arrested and they spent the night in jail. And the next day they brought him before the council, ruling council in Jerusalem, the same people who had demanded that Pilate crucify Jesus, and here's what happened. Well, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the rulers and the elders of, of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Well, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. There is salvation in no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Well, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We can't stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. And then the council threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. They didn't know how to handle it. Peter and John... We're just telling them, we have to tell people this because it's true. Now, boldness was a free and fearless confidence or courage that you know that you know that it's true. I mean, if you've done your homework the night before a pop quiz, you're okay with the pop quiz. So he goes, oh, I think there's going to be a pop quiz today. Don't worry. I can handle it. Okay. That's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. But how would I have that as a Christian? Because most of us don't feel very bold when it comes to our faith. I didn't go to seminary, and that's what was so amazing is these people, ordinary people here, the members of the council were made, these guys didn't go to seminary either. Yet they were absolutely rock solid convinced that what they said was true. Because the Holy Spirit was living in them, is living in them, and giving them that confidence. Now, unlike the comic book stories where you could read about Superman or Iron Man or things, we go, well, that's something I could never do. Well, this is something that God wants not only that Peter could do and John could do, but God wants us for all of us to have boldness. And that's a free and fearless confidence, a courage. Now, it's also important to note here, if you think, oh, that could never happen, well, it's important to remind ourselves that Peter tried being bold for Jesus in his own strength and failed miserably. If you think, well, I'm not very brave and I'm not very bold and I don't know if God could ever make me bold, well, welcome to Peter. We have a couple of stories to remind us just exactly where he was on this. Jesus had come out to his disciples. They were rowing across the Sea of Galilee in a terrible storm. They thought they were going to drown. They thought the boat was going to be swamped, as a matter of fact. And Jesus came walking out to them in the middle of a storm. And here's what happened. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Well, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I mean, Peter tried. He tried. But he wasn't strong enough. Then the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus got his disciples together. He said, look, tomorrow, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, all of you will desert me. You're all going to desert me. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. But later that night, Jesus was arrested. And he was put on trial in the middle of the night at the home of the high priest. And outside in the courtyard, Peter kind of snuck in. And he was confronted three different times, the last time by a servant girl, the most harmless person probably you could have met. And she said, you must be one of Jesus' followers. Each time, somebody said, you got to be one of Jesus' followers. I can tell you're a Galilean by your Galilean accent or whatever it was. You have an accent. I don't know what it sounded like. It wasn't that. But the point was, is that Peter denied with an oath. It says he cussed and swore, blankety blank, I don't even know who Jesus is. And the Bible tells us just then, Jesus was on trial inside the house. He looked out of the window and made eye contact with Peter and a rooster crowed. And Peter went away weeping. He wasn't bold. He wasn't courageous. He wasn't strong enough. I want to remind us, here's a life application. None of us are strong enough to boldly follow Jesus in our own strength. So if you think I'm here for a pep rally today to tell you, hey, be a Christian, be a Christian in your own strength, I am not. This is not a self-help meeting. You can't. In fact, that same night when Jesus was betrayed, right before Judas got there to betray him, Peter and the other, a few others had gone with Jesus to pray. And Jesus said, can you guys just keep watching with me for one hour and pray? But they kept falling asleep, and so Jesus told them, Look, keep watching and praying that none of you may enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Could we say that together, please? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Every now and then I meet people, and they go, Well, you know, I, I understand that you want people to come to church. You want people to commit their lives to Christ, but I don't want to be a hypocrite, and I'm not strong enough. So I don't want to come to church. I don't want to make any commitments I can't keep. And that sounds noble, and that sounds honest, but it also sounds like you have no understanding of what happens when you come to Christ. When I come to Christ, I come to Christ and say, Jesus, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. I'm as lost as I can be. I can't pay for my own sins. I can't find my own way to heaven. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to take me to heaven when I die. And God, I need your Holy Spirit to come inside of me and change me because I'm not strong enough in my own strength. And the Lord goes, good, I'm glad you came to me. That's exactly what I intend to do for you. Now that's the good news of the gospel. 
Not only did Jesus die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, not only does he prepare a place for us in heaven, but he promised us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will actually give us the power to do what pleases him. In fact, that's the next life application. All of us can be bold witnesses for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then, that's when he said, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In fact, he told them, don't go out till you get the Holy Spirit. You're not strong enough. And on Pentecost Sunday, what's when the Holy Spirit fell on them? For God is working in you, Paul wrote, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And can we read that verse together, please? For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is so wonderful because I don't have to be a perfect Christian in my own strength. I can't muster up the strength to fly like Superman. And you go, well, why would anybody even want to? I mean, I mean, how could you even try that? That's ridiculous. That's just fantasy. But this isn't fantasy. This is real. God will change me from the inside out. He will give me love for people I would never love before. He will give me the power to overcome fear that has just completely controlled me, and he can make me bold through the power of the Holy Spirit, a bold, courageous Christian. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Now, this is what happened in Acts, and these stories are recorded for us so that we can be encouraged by them. This is what God wants for you and me, too. This isn't just old Bible time stuff. This is as relevant as anything we're going to do today. Now, here's what's interesting. So they let them go. They didn't know what to do with them. How do you punish people when the guy they healed in the name of Jesus, the guy that was healed in the name of Jesus, is standing right there with them? What do you do? Well, they let him go. Well, they went back to the rest of the Christians, and this is point two in your outline. When the rest of the believers heard how boldly Peter and John had witnessed for Jesus, they prayed for boldness too. Wow, you guys did great. I want to be like that. As soon as they were freed, a little more from Acts 4 here, Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard their report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And we'll read the prayer in just a minute. But all the believers got together in prayer, and they prayed, Oh, God, make us like that. Now, does that describe us? I mean, they didn't come back and go, wow, Peter and John, you guys did a great job. Lord, please keep making them bold. That's not what they prayed. I mean, they did pray that. They wanted Peter and John to be bold. But they said, I want to be bold too. Peter and John were ordinary people. Nobody in the whole place had gone to seminary. There weren't any seminaries. Christian seminaries hadn't been invented yet. Think about this. Let's hear their prayer. As soon as they were freed, they returned to the other believers. They told them what they'd said, what the elders had said, and the priests. And when they heard the report, they lifted their voice together in prayer to God, O sovereign God creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with their futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord 
and against his Messiah. I mean, they're quoting Psalm 2 here, and David talked about this in his day, that there were all kinds of people, I mean, the Philistines, other leaders in the land that would just always come against God's people and their futile plans to try to stop what God was doing. And then they kept on praying here. In fact, this has happened just here in this, in this very city. It had been only two months earlier for Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, and they demanded him crucified. They're all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Mm. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. It's highlighted there in your outline. If you have a pen, underline it, star it. This was their desire. Stretch out your hand in healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, keep doing it. What you did through Peter and John, keep doing that. Do that through all of us. Now, it's important here to remind ourselves that the early Christians recognized that God can sovereignly use the evil actions of rebellious sinners to accomplish his purposes. He did in the time of David, and he did when Jesus was crucified. Everybody thought what was the end. Remember, they, they couldn't believe it when the tomb was empty. They thought Jesus' ministry had just crashed and burned because they'd seen him crucified, and they watched him die. And after he rose from the dead, they went, oh, well, that's how he paid for all of our sins. God used the evil actions of Pontius Pilate and these priests and the people who demanded Jesus be crucified. He used that for God's glory and my good. Oh. And so he said, oh, sovereign God, you're the maker of heaven and earth. And if you made heaven and earth, then you're stronger than any other uh, force we're ever going to face because you made everything. You're stronger than the people you created. And it doesn't matter if they turn against you. They're insignificant against you. And if that's good news to you today, would you say amen? amen? These were people who were praying for boldness. And they knew people were going to come against them, but they also knew that they were worshiping Almighty God, and He is sovereign, and He knows what's going on in our world. He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what's going on in our church. He knows what's going on in our culture. He knows what's going on on Twitter. He does. He does. And they said, oh, Lord, we just first of all want to acknowledge that you're sovereignly in control of this. We don't understand everything you're doing, but we are certain you're going to use it for good. Joseph told this to his brothers who had sold him into slavery decades earlier. A couple of decades later, they were afraid that Joseph was going to get revenge on them for doing this. And Joseph told them, oh, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. This is where we need to be, y'all. I hope you guys understand that as we live in a culture that is moving farther and farther and farther away from God's word, it has not escaped God's notice. And we need to be concerned about these things, but we do not need to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we worship Almighty God, and He is stronger than any enemy we will ever face. God is sovereign. And that was the first part of their prayer. Secondly, the early Christians didn't ask God to remove them from danger, but to give them boldness in preaching God's word. They said, Lord, you see what they're doing. I mean, can you imagine living at a time where people were plotting 
and trying to figure out ways to make Christians look stupid and powerless? Can you imagine living in a world where the things that are taught in the Bible are ridiculed? Can you imagine living at a time like that? I hope you can. And that's why it's so important for us to go over this. They had to deal with these issues in their day. We're going to have to deal with these issues in our day. And God does not want us to cower in fear. He wants to come to him in prayer. Almighty God, you're sovereign. Take note of what they're doing. And Almighty God, we're not asking you to pull us out of this arena. We're asking you to make us bold so we can face it head on with courage like Peter and John did. Now, what if we prayed that way? This isn't a, Lord, I'll keep my head down. I'll mind my own business. Just protect me. Lord, I don't want anybody to see me here. Lord, I want a comfortable life, and I want to go to heaven when I die. Amen. That's not what they prayed. In fact, the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed for them and all of us. And he said, I'm not asking you, Father, to take the disciples out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. And Jesus prayed God, sanctify them. Make them holy. Don't take them out of the world. And these disciples didn't say, hey, Lord, just, you know, protect us and keep us under the radar. That's not what they prayed at all. In fact, the next note tells us the early Christians prayed that God's power would be miraculously, miraculously displayed through them in order to bring glory to Jesus. Because that miracle was done in the name of Jesus, and the man who'd been lame for 40 years, born lame and hadn't walked in 40 years because he could walk, thousands of people came to Jesus. Peter and John had testified. And they said, wow, but it also brought great attention to them. Until then, apparently, everybody was pretty content to leave the Christians alone. And now all of a sudden, they were on everybody's screen. What would happen if you and I said, God, I want you to make me bold. God, I want you to answer prayers in a mighty way when I pray. When I pray for sick friends, I want them to become well. When I pray that my friend will get a job, I want you to answer that prayer miraculously. When I pray about this, when I talk to a friend about Jesus, I want them uh, to come to Christ right on the spot so that people go, wow, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. At my office, at my school, in my neighborhood, I won't be under the radar anymore. People will know that I follow Jesus because miraculous thing ha things happen at my house. Miraculous things happen when I pray. Now, if you do that, you can forget about being under the radar because then the people who want to make fun of Christians, the people who want to make fun of people who trust in the Bible, they'll know you do. Praying for miraculous happenings means, Lord, I trust that you're sovereign and you're going to do amazing things and I want you to get all the glory and I want people to know that I follow you. Just make me courageous because not everybody's going to like that. In fact, some people are going to be upset by it because they like very much the way that things are going in this world. Now, am I willing to pray that? I mean, you think, well, yeah, sure, I'll pray that miracles happen. Really? 
Because along with that will come people who don't want the truth to come. There is a devil. You're the light of the world, Jesus said. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. On the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And they said, Lord, that's what we want you to do. Empower us to do amazing things in the name of Jesus. So he gets all the glory. Lord, turn us into a brilliant searchlight. Is that my prayer? That's more than, Lord, bless me. Lord, make my life comfortable. Lord, let everybody leave me alone. That's not what they prayed. It's important to note also the early Christians wanted to participate in ministry. Lord, what you did for Peter and John, do that for me. I want to play. Let me be bold. After this, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all preached the word of God with boldness. They preached the word of God with boldness, not just Peter and John. Please pray for me whenever I open my mouth that God will speak to me. I hope you do. Paul said, wrote to the people in Ephesus and said, please do that. But he also reminded them, but please also pray for yourselves and pray for believers everywhere. We're all in this together. I hope you understand this is something that God wants us all to be a part of. This is what we want at center point for everybody to leave this place and to be able to go out and be witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope you want that. The whole idea behind these stories is to remind us these aren't fantasy stories in a comic book somewhere. These are real stories of real people and their lives were changed and they were bold witnesses and God was glad to answer their prayer and give them boldness. He was glad to do mighty miraculous things through them and you're going to see that in the weeks to come. I hope you don't miss any of the messages in this series because we're talking about this every week. These were people just like us and God did amazing things through them because they were willing to go wherever he wanted them to go and surrender everything they had to him. And when the whole place shook, that just reminded everybody when God came down on the mountain at Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments and met with his people there, it says the whole mountain shook. And he's reminded them, just like I was with those people when I gave them the Ten Commandments, I'm with you. Now go. Mm. One last life application. We need to pray for boldness right now. Today. We're going to have a chance to pray for it right now. Jesus said, if anyone's ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, well, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the, in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. I mean, Jesus said that. I don't want to be ashamed that I know Jesus. He saved me. He forgave all my sins. He gave me a new life. He's reserved a place for me in heaven. He loves me. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower me. I want the whole world to know. And I want to be confident of this so that even if people are hostile toward me, that I'll be able to respond to them in love with a clear answer and with truth and conviction the way Peter and John did. Oh, I hope this has stirred you up to want that too because in just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand if this is a desire of your heart. But before we stand, I want you to understand, I'm going to ask, if you're ready for this, I want you to stand and pray with me. 
And it's important that you stand. We're not asking to fit in. We're asking to stand out. Because if you and I pray that God will work through us and do amazing things through us, I think he wants to do that. That's everything he tells us to do. He tells us to go and make disciples everywhere. But along with that comes we have to pray for boldness because whenever, we, whenever you're a bright light, there are people who want to keep things in the dark. And there's a devil who certainly does. So if today, as we've been reading through this, and you understand this is not asking for a comfortable, easy life. This is asking for God's Holy Spirit to empower you to be a, a light for Jesus right where you are, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your job, in your family, right where he's placed you right now, then I want you to stand. Right now, because I'm going to pray for you. You don't have to stand. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we stand before you today and we pray exactly what these people prayed in the book of Acts. Oh, Heavenly Father, give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would stretch out your hand through our lives and you would do miraculous things. There would be healings and miracles and signs and wonders in the name of Jesus that we carried out in our midst today. That we'd pray for people, there would be answers to prayer. That lives would change and people would come to Christ. And that you'd give us the courage and conviction to stand proudly and say, this was done in the name of Jesus. We did not do this ourselves, and we'd give you all the glory. God, that you would make us courageous, that we'd be willing for people to laugh at us or mock us. But we could repay even the harsh things with love and kindness and the truth about Jesus. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want every single plan that you have for us, every purpose for us that, for which you created us, we want that to be accomplished in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you send your Holy Spirit who will transform us from the inside out, change the way we think, that you will give us courage that we wouldn't have on our own, that you will give us the right words to say at the right time, and you will even give us love for people who are unlovely and mean and hateful to us. But, oh God, we ask that you would empower us. God, we want to play. Make us bold and confident like Peter and John. Let us give good testimony. Open our mouths, Lord, at the right time. Give us confidence that you are stronger than any enemy we will ever face. Oh, Holy Spirit, we cannot do this without you. Holy Spirit, come. We are weak, but you are strong. This is not a decision we make in our own strength. Use our lives for your glory. In the wonderful name of Jesus the Nazarene, in the wonderful name of Jesus, the powerful name by which the lame man was healed, we pray these things together. Amen.